There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, we do thank you for tuning into the Thursday edition of the podcast. Uh, we certainly welcome each and every one of you. Hopefully have some new listeners. And if not, maybe you can invite someone to listen, let folks know about the podcast. And today we're going to be looking again at Job, and we'll be in Job chapter 11. And one of the things we see in Job chapter 11 is the accusation of a friend. Now, the Lord told us in Job 42, his friends did not speak right, that thing of the concern of Job. They could not see that Job was speaking by the Holy Ghost. They could not see that he was prophesying. They could not see when he spake by the Spirit of Christ. They were blind to that. And so they continually think Job is justifying himself. They continually think that Job is, is uh, trying to prove himself and trying to prove to them how just he is with God. And by the way, those that do that, it is great folly to them. Meekness demands that you don't have to explain to somebody how you're right with God or what a great Christian you are. Meekness demands that your life proves it. And if uh, folks don't think you're a good Christian, it's probably because you're not. And folks think you're not living right, it's probably because you're not. And so meekness demands that we stand and that we don't defend ourselves when it comes to the things of truth. And I've said for many, many years in ministry, and it's not cliche, but it's the things that tell the truth about us that hurt. When folks lie about us, it really doesn't hurt that much because you know they're lying and therefore you can withstand those attacks. Because when they tell the truth about you, and it's kind of an ugly thing, is when it really hurts. And so today in this podcast in Job 11, I'm going to look at some personal things. It make this a more of a personal message, not so much a doctrinal, certainly not a messianic message. Uh, but what we're going to do is just talk about the personal reality of what is being said here. And before I do that, I want to go to Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 1. And I'm going to explain some of the folly in, in what we see. Is we see a peculiar people today. God's people have always been a peculiar people. This is nothing new. And so these peculiar people are God's people, and uh, therefore they are despised. They are, they are not welcome in most circles. They've always been that way. And if the world loves you, it is a problem. And if the world thinks you're normal, there's a problem. If mainstream religion thinks you're normal, there's a problem. Mainstream religion ought to despise the saints of God because they stand against mainstream religion. What do you mean by mainstream religion, Brother McVeigh? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Mainstream religion is the practice of practicing religion that seemingly is popular, seemingly is, is open, seemingly it's anybody can come and participate in a religious practice. They call it oftentimes praise and worship, and yet the praise and worship portion is just a show of the flesh. Uh, the praise part is a lot of times a show of the flesh, and the worship part is, you know, if you're not swaying with your hands up or not wiggling your hips or you don't have your eyes closed, then you're not worshiping. And, you know, amazing thing about the saying of God is he can worship with his eyes open. And part of his praise is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And many years ago, preached on the streets of Baltimore, and I kind of cut my teeth preaching in the homeless ministry and the rescue missions and on the streets. It's really where I learned to preach. They're in the nursing homes. So you've kind of got two ends of the spectrum. But on the streets, you just tell people the truth. And they didn't like it very much. And I remember people come up to me and accusing me of saying things I didn't say and arguing with me over things I had not said and come up and physically assaulting and physically striking and uh, shoving their hands in your face and trying to batter you because they despise the fact that you open the Word of God and preach those things. Well, it ought to be the same with what I call mainstream religion because the Word of God stands against most mainstream religion. It's sensual religion. It's a religion without the Word of God. Any version of the Bible that they call a Bible that has been absolutely inundated uh, with the filth and godlessness and wretchedness that it's been inundated with is brought to the forefront, and they're just practicing religion. They don't have the Word of God. That's mainstream religion. Now, I don't care how big the name is. I don't care how many radio stations or TV stations they're on. The saints of God have always... The true saints of God have always been a great minority, even in Christianity. They've withstood modernism. They've withstood the attack on the word of God. They've withstood it for many, many years. You know, when a man stands at the pulpit, he says, well, this is what the Bible really means here. And he corrects the word of God. Not only is he a liar and a fraud and a phony, it could be just his education has pushed him to that point. It just could be that he absolutely uh, is an apostate. And that's where most mainstream religion is. They have healing services and they have prophetic services that do not prophesy of Jesus Christ. They have new prophecies and hidden prophecies and secret prophecies. They denounce the deity of Jesus Christ. At best, most of them are Unitarian at best. Sometimes they're oneness people. Sometimes they're Jesus-only people. They do not understand the Godhead. And so, therefore, when you preach and teach these things, you're going to be in the minority. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Most people's persecution is when they run out of mashed potatoes at the buffet. Uh, the greatest persecution some people suffer is when the guy at Lowe's says happy holidays and you growl, uh, Merry Christmas, you know, because that's the greatest persecution you'll ever suffer because you're not living godly. And I know in my own life when I'm not suffering persecution. It's because I'm, I'm not living godly. And we have neighbors that love us. We have lost neighbors that love my family and I. We've told them the truth. We preach the truth to them. And the reason why is because they're not at all religious, we have extended family that, that despises what we preach and despise what we say, and they're extremely religious. But yet the folks that are not the slightest bit religious around us seem to care about us probably more than we care about them. And I thank God for that. Thank, And that's not boasting. I thank God for that testimony. Here's what the Word of God said in Jeremiah 20 and verse 1. Now, Pastor, the son of Emer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. He's prophesying against Israel. Then Pastor smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks or in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. So he's the son of Emer, the priest. Who is he? He's the governor in the house of the Lord. That's what the Word of God tells us that. You mix politics and religion. And by the way, we live in a day when most preachers, all they do is promote politics. Their idea of, of being a conservative, independent Baptist is because they voted for Donald Trump, and they're against abortion, they're against gay marriage, therefore they're a conservative Baptist, but they, again, don't believe the Word of God. They get them corrected with Greek and corrected with Hebrew and corrected with other versions and corrected and corrected with their own ideology, and yet they don't believe the Word of God. And so, Pastor, the son of Emma, the priest, this politician, this this priest is involved in the political realm, 
This is his son. Now he smites Jeremiah. Why does he smite him? And then he put him in stocks because he testified against what they're doing. He testified against mainstream modern religion. He testified against the house of Israel. He testified because they've turned from the true and living God. And the saints of God have not turned from the true and living God. Yes, we're being attacked. Yes, absolutely, the pressure's on us to change, to bow. There's things that I do today that would have been such a grief to a man 100 years ago. Things that my family probably does, they would have been such a grief to men that even lived 50 years ago. We live in a different day. The pressure's on. We are that frog in the hot water. The backbeats sneak in. The music changes. All these things, the, the dresses come up. The dresses plunge. The shorts get shorter. Amen. The Bermudas get shorter. The socks get shorter. Everything's smaller. Everything's shorter. And we're just inundated with this in religion today. You take a stand against that, and they, they think you're just an old fogey. They think you're just a crustacean. But the reality is is that we're so surrounded by the carnal things of this world in religion and in religious practice that it's going to take a stand-out walk with God to separate yourself from these vile affections, from this vile world, from this vile conduct. It's going to take someone sanctifying to Jesus Christ, willing to sanctify their family in holiness and godliness and separate from mainstream religion, and they're going to do that by the practice of holiness. Holiness is the great divider. My former pastor, Brother Herbert, said for years, he said, holiness separates you. Holiness divides. Holiness trims away. Holiness cuts away. Why? Because God's people are to be a holy people. We see as Jeremiah preached holiness, he's smitten. He's put in stocks. He's put in the gate of Benjamin. Why? For preaching the truth, for telling people the truth. And folks don't want to hear that truth today. We see that in the face of Job, which we begin at Job 11 after that little exhortation. Then answered Zophar, the Namathite, and said, Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? And by the way, they'll accuse you of that today as well when you preach. Oh, he goes on and on. He's long-winded. All he does is drone on. And one of the things that I recently came across and I heard it quoted, and I love to thank God for it, but a man pointed out the obvious. He said to beware of dogs in the scripture, for without are dogs. And he said, you know what a dog does? A dog only sees the outward physical things of his master. A dog can be controlled with volume of voice. A dog responds to physical actions. A dog responds to hand motions. That's what a dog responds to. So what do people get irritated with? How loud the preaching is. The preacher doesn't stand still. His hands are all over the place. He doesn't have that polish on the outward. That's all they can respond to because they don't have the spirit of Christ to witness to the inward things of God, the inward change of God. They don't have the witness of God inwardly to reveal the word of God to them. So all they can see are the mannerisms and the outward and the volume, the same things animals respond to. That's all they can respond to. And yet we look at that today, and there's people that call themselves spiritual, but all they see is how long the preacher went and how loud he was and how rough it was and how much he talked and how, how can a man that's so full of talk be justified? Well, Job wasn't talking about himself. 
And so far, Job was not speaking of himself. He was speaking of one to come. He was prophesying of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And he cannot see that. He cannot understand that. He does not speak concerning that. And by the way, a man that does continually speak of himself is probably not just with God. A man that speaks of his greatness and his things that he's done and how he is right with God. I love what Brother Fane many years ago before he died said. He said, a man that's spirit-filled doesn't know that he's spirit-filled. He said, the more spirit-filled you get, the more wicked you feel. He said, the closer you get to God, the more vile you feel. He said, the closer your walk is with the Lord and the word of God, he said, the more unclean you seem. He said, but a man that tells you how right he is and how right his children are, and I've seen that. I'm not on social media. We just cyberstalk people like good Christians do. And we cyberstalk people, and you look at, they brag about their children and their families. You go out there, they got all manner of facial piercings and all manner of marks upon their flesh and all manner of immodest clothing, and yet they boast of how their children are right with God. Their grandchildren are right with God, and they boast of holiness, and most have fled the King James Bible, fled the Word of God, fled the Baptist. They've done everything but walk with God. And yet they brag about their families and brag about how they raise their children in holiness and brag about how they raise their children in the house of God. You cannot be just with God talking about what you've done. The only way you're just with God is what Jesus Christ has done. Should thy lies make men hold their peace? Yeah, Job wasn't lying. He was telling the truth. He was speaking of the Holy Ghost, but so far I couldn't see that. And when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? For thou hast said, my doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thine eyes. And yes, he did say that because he's speaking of someone else there. He's prophesying of Jesus Christ. He's speaking by the Spirit of Christ. He's speaking of that suffering that is to come, the glory that's going to follow. Zophar can't understand that. He can't see that. He doesn't understand this is godliness. He doesn't understand this is holiness. He doesn't understand this is paramount to faith, understanding the Scriptures. And he does not see that. Like so many today, they do not see Jesus Christ. All they see is the outward. All they see is the mannerisms. All they see is the physical things. They cannot see the kingdom of God. It's a far off thing to them. They're not close to God. They're not nigh unto God. And therefore, all they see is is what man sees. All they see is what the world sees. It's no different than a lost person coming to church. And they come in off the streets, don't know the first thing about God. They see the same thing as most people sitting on the pew see. It's just people on the pew have adapted religion to it. They've adapted religiousity to it. They know when to stand. They know when to sing. They know the songs. They kind of know how to form a prayer. They know how to read a devotional. And they do all of those things. And they say, this is enough. Certainly I'm better than this guy. Certainly I'm better than this lady. They came off the streets, but they cannot see the kingdom of God because they cannot see the kingdom of God. When God is trying to work, and God is trying to move, and God is trying to speak, they cannot see it because it's a far off to them. And I believe that's where Zophar is here. He can't see that Job was speaking by the word of God. But all that God would speak and open his lips against thee. He condemns Job. And I've heard people say that in ministry, that God's going to judge you. And, you know, the reality is, yes, God's going to judge me. That's a true statement. But what they mean is because of something I said, because of an offense of the gospel, because of an offense of something doctrinal. A man that withstood me over his brother's baptism. He said, my brother's baptism was just as good as your baptism. And I'm like, well, As far as baptism goes, mine was pretty good. I was completely immersed. I don't think my nose stuck out. I don't think my toes stuck out. The water was lukewarm. I didn't gasp. 
Uh, I didn't have to beg for them to pull me back out. I mean, they lifted me right out of the water. They gave me a towel to dry. I mean, it was a wonderful. I mean, I, I hope his baptism was that good. But the problem is what this man meant is my brother's just as saved as you are. He was counting his uh, brother being dunked in the water before he died as salvation through Jesus Christ, which is contrary to the word of God. But that's what he was relying on. That's what he was counting on. Oh, that God would open his mouth and speak against you, Job, is what he's saying. What a tragedy that he couldn't see God. What a tragedy that he couldn't see God was speaking. And then he goes on that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. And by the way, God does do that. God does show Job the secrets of his wisdom. When God begins to speak later in this book, he shows Job many blessed things. Things too wonderful for me, Job said. He could not understand these things. And then I'm going to close with this in verse 6. And Zophar says, Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. And that deserveth is an ongoing tense. Thank God it's continual. Thank God it was past. Thank God it's present. Thank God it's the future. And God has to all of us, God has given us far less than what our iniquity deserveth. Amen. It's not just today. It's every day. God has given us far less than what I deserve, far less than the damnation that, would, that I deserve. He said, know therefore that God exacteth of thee. You know what God has exacted of me for my iniquity? That I believe his dear son, that I put my faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he's exacted of me. And day after day, week after week, year after year, as you're listening to this podcast, I celebrate a 26th birthday spiritually. April 20th, 1997, for the glory of God and the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ met with me there on I-81 coming north out of Stanton, Virginia, saved me, changed me, washed me, and made me clean. And my iniquities will never get what I deserve. I will never receive the punishment that I deserve for my iniquities, but they were all born in his dear son. They were all born in the body of the blessed son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and how we thank him and how we praise him. I want to thank God today as I close out this podcast that if you're saved by the good grace of God, your iniquities will never get what they deserve because God God's been good to us. Bless his holy name. Have a great day. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manassa Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption all at night. Now the angel.
stars sing.